Well, this morning, we are finally getting back to our series in the book of Samuel. Do you remember Samuel? Remember that? It's been a while since we've been there. We haven't been there since uh, sometime in September. And this morning, I want to talk about defeating your giants. And you, you might be looking at that and go, okay, I know where we're getting in Samuel. Yeah, the whole thing. Okay, so I'm going to ask you if you will turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a quick review because it's been forever since we've been there. Uh, God told Samuel to go to Bethlehem to anoint the next king because remember Saul was being a, a, a doofus. And uh, Samuel went and anointed David, the son of Jesse. And after he anointed him, he left. And David went on to his normal routine. So there's a little bit at the end of chapter 16 that I just want to review real quick. Now, the rest of chapter 16, it says this in verse 14. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Gosh, that's scary. You know, first time I read that, and I think every time I read that, I pray, Lord, please don't send me a tormenting spirit that fills me with depression and fear. Well, Saul was having a real hard time, and his servant said, hey, let's find a musician to play for you and make you feel better. Yeah, musicians rock, right? Okay. And they said, hey, there's this young guy. His name is David. And you know what? He's a really skilled musician. He's a good, upstanding guy. He's really talented. And he's good looking, too. He's a good guy. So, so they called for, for David to come and play his harp for Saul to make him feel better. Look what it says in verse 23. It says, And whenever the tor- tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. And then Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. So that's why I play guitar, to keep away the tormenting spirits. So that was a joke. Okay, so that brings us to chapter 17. So we're going to talk a little bit about in the valley. Uh, Verse 1 in chapter 17. Oops, I'll come back to that slide. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko and Judah and the Ezekah and uh, Ephesdamon. Saul countered by gathering his troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other in the opposite hills with the valley between them. Now, I'm going to go back a slide here, and uh, I'm going to see if I can explain to you what was going on. This is what the Valley of Elah looks like, and this is actually a modern picture of it. And let's see, does my, yeah, we're really disappointed because the laser doesn't work on the screen, but um, see where it says battle site? Just right below that, that's where the Philistines were. And then up around, because this is the valley that goes like this, and up on that corner, that's where the Israelites were. Well, there's a very simple idea in warfare, and it's called high ground. Having the high ground is always a good thing. Think about this. If you were attacking, if you were fighting on a hill, where would you rather be? At the top of the hill or the bottom of the hill? Top of the hill, right. So what happened is in both their positions, they both had the high ground. So it was like, why don't you guys come and attack us? Oh, no, no, why don't you guys come and attack us, you know? So it went back and forth like that, and everybody kind of stayed put because they had a great defensive position. But they could see each other off in the distance. And they would just stand and stare at each other. 
because nobody wanted to advance, and they weren't really willing to do an all-out brawl right away. They'd been there. These were seasoned soldiers, and they knew what that looked like. So what happens? One of the Philistines steps out, and he offers a challenge. So here's the challenge. It says, and that's actually a picture of Goliath. It's amazing that that uh, has, has lasted over the years. And so it says, Then Goliath, the Philistine, champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man, measuring over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leggings, and he slung a bronze javelin over his back. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. An armor bearer walked ahead of him, probably had a hernia, uh, carrying a huge shield. Goliath stood and shouted across to the Israelites, Do you need a whole army to settle this? Choose someone to fight for you, and I will represent the Philistines. We will settle this dispute in single combat. If your man is able to kill me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight with me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. All right, so you got this big guy, Goliath, comes out and he offers this challenge. Picture this. He just steps down into the valley and says, here we go. You know, come on, come fight me. And the losers will become the slaves of the winner, a contest between the best man of each army. Now, realize this. This was not a unique event. There are many times in history where this happened, where two armies faced each other, and neither leader of the army wanted to see all his men destroyed. So they would bring their best man out, and they would fight each other. Has anybody ever seen the movie Troy? Okay, nobody. Well, if you had seen that movie, you would have seen an example of that. Um, you see, there, there's a, there's, it's not an uncommon challenge for the two best guys to fight each other. But there was one small problem here, or not so small of a problem. Goliath is called a champion. Now, what does that mean? It means that he was a representative of the Philistine army, and he has won many challenges like this. That's why he would be called a champion. And it was obvious why Goliath was such a champion, as it were. Goliath was a huge man, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us he was a huge man. The Bible says he was nine feet tall. How tall is nine feet tall? Can you, can you imagine that? Can you even begin to imagine this? Now, there was a, a man who lived in the United States many years ago. His name was Robert Pershing Wadlow. And this is him, Robert Pershing Wadlow. Other than having big ears, another characteristic of Robert was that he was the tallest man who's ever been recorded to live, other than Goliath. Actually, he's the second tallest. You see, he lived from uh, 1918 to 1940. He died at a very young age. He was 22 years old. He was 8 feet 11 inches tall. Now, what does that look like, 8 feet 11 inches? Well, let me show you the rest of this picture. This is Robert with his family. 
And those are not midgets. Those are normal people, you know, normal-sized people. This is him with his family. And you have to imagine a little bit what, what that looks like, an imposing figure comparatively. And to show that it's not doctored, there's a car behind him. And you can see all these people up against the car are of normal size. But he is so much taller. That is a nine-foot man. And this is, uh, obviously he was shorter here. Uh, this is when he was a little younger. Uh, with his family. Um, but when you look at him compared to other people, it's just incredible. It's so imposing that this is a person who would, who would get attention everywhere he went, almost like he didn't fit because he was such a large fellow. Now, this gives you a little comparison if you wanted one. This is, uh, this is um, Robert Pershing Wadlow uh, up against Andre the Giant or John Wayne or Tom. I don't know why Tom Cruise is on there, but um, <laughs> it gives you an idea of just, if you've ever seen pictures of Andre the Giant with other people, I, I've seen pictures of, of Andre the Giant when he was on an airplane in first class taking up two seats in first class. And, I mean, he's... Small compared to this guy. Here's one more comparison picture. This is a statue of, of Robert, uh, and that is Yao Ming, uh, tallest NBA player to ever play. That's Shaquille O'Neal, and that's Kevin Hart in the front. <laughs> but realize that there weren't a lot of people over six foot in the days of, of uh, Goliath. So for this man to be nine feet tall, does that give you just a little bit of an idea of how imposing of a figure this guy was? Now, he was not only tall like this, this guy was a stud. This guy had, not only was he huge, he had strong armor. It says that his armor weighed 125 pounds. Those of you who've ever played football, you know the weight of what a football uniform is. It's nowhere near 125 pounds, I'll tell you. It's amazing. He was not only tall, but he was massive. And he had armor, just this awesome armor. Not everybody had armor. Remember a while ago, we looked at the fact that Israel couldn't get access to, to metal workers to, uh, get, um, to get armor for themselves. You got you to picture what this guy looked like. He must have seemed invincible, you know? And imagine him coming out and going, all right, one of you, send out your best and fight me. You know, I can picture the Israelites. Hey, Jimmy, I, I, I've always said you were a better fighter than me. Yeah, no matter, what, you know. In fact, I've been talking to the boys, and they say you're the best. You know, why don't you go out and face them? But everybody's going, oh, not me, not me. I don't want to face this guy. I don't want to face him. Goliath throws down the gauntlet, as it were. But what if nobody steps forward? What if no one challenges Goliath? Scripture says they were afraid. It doesn't say anybody jumped out and said, okay, let's go. Bring it on, dude. If nobody challenges Goliath, Israel will lose by default. That was basically the rules. It was one of two choices. Either somebody else faces Goliath or Israel would attack with their entire army. And Israel didn't want to do either of those things. Israel is facing a giant. Literally facing a giant. So I have this question for you this morning. We know what happens next in the story, 
and we're going to get to that next week. But my question is this, what does it take to face a giant? Because a giant brings great fear, right? A giant can present a seemingly impossible situation. At some point, we all face giants, not literally, but figuratively in our lives. How do we face them? The grander question, the more important question for us today is, how do we defeat them? The giants of our lives come in different forms, but they all have something in common. They try to rob us of our hope, our peace, and our joy. Some giants can seem relentless. Friends, we all face giants in our lives. Giants of fear, giants of doubt, giants of temptation. Giants that are trying to take good things away from us. Friends, they are Satan's weapons. They are giants that try to rob us of God's blessings. In John uh, chapter 10, John refers to Satan as the thief. And he says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Friends, giants are killjoys. They're party poopers. They're misery monsters. Giants can inflict pain mentally, emotionally, and even physically. And some giants start out small, but before you know it, they grow into a Goliath. We all have challenges we face in life. And some of them for us as individuals, and maybe for some of you today, something comes to mind for you. And you're thinking, that seems like a giant in my life. Something that is just invincible. Something that can't be defeated. Something that can't be overcome. But I'm here to tell you, friends, for every giant, there is a solution. And the solution is the Lord. He is bigger and stronger than any, than any giant that will ever come your way. Let me say that. He is bigger and stronger than any giant that will ever come your way. You see, friends, we can't forget how big our God is. Because our first response oftentimes can be fear, right? That was Israel's response, right? When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. And I thought, that's Saul. He's the great leadership. Saul, way to go, buddy. He was terrified and deeply shaken, just like everybody else. And a lot of people were probably uh, terrified and shaken because Saul was. Remember how Saul was described? Do you guys remember how Saul was described when they first introduced him? He's a good-looking guy, but he stood a head taller than everybody else. So who was the biggest man in Israel that could face Goliath? Saul was. But Saul was terrified and deeply shaken. Mm. Friends, we must remember that any giant we face is no match for our Lord. Why? Because Jesus is the ultimate champion. Goliath is the Philistine champion. Jesus is the ultimate champion. He conquered sin and death. 
He slew all the giants that will ever exist through the crucifixion and through his resurrection. There is no giant that we will ever face that God can't defeat and destroy. Friends, we don't have to fear the giants of our lives because we have the best giant slayer on our side. Jesus is with us and he will always give us the victory when we trust him. You know, it says that the Israelites were afraid. Where was their trust? Where was their faith in God? Yeah, but you don't understand. That guy's huge. Well, God's bigger than that, isn't he? Do you remember earlier in Samuel, they brought out the Ark of the Covenant because they said, if the Lord's with us, it doesn't matter. We're going to defeat everybody. Remember when Jonathan and his armor bearer went up and fought those Philistines earlier in Samuel? And he said, it doesn't matter how many guys we face. God's on our side. We can do it. Let's go. And the two of them went out. Ah! You know? And, and did their bit. I don't know if they screamed like that, but they went out there and they did their business, right? They took care of business. Why? Because they trusted God. Trust. Trust. It flies in the face of fear. It flies in the face of pain of all the things that a giant will want to impose upon you. And friends, it doesn't matter how small we seem in the face of our giants. Why? Why doesn't it matter? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look what John said in the book of 1 John. He said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Our Lord is greater our Lord is stronger, more mighty than any foe we can face. He is the great giant slayer. Friends, the God who is within us is bigger and more powerful than any of the giants in this world. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that? So what have we to fear? If God be for us, who can be against us? What do we have to fear Nothing. What do we have to worry about? Nothing. No matter what our circumstance, no matter what struggle we have, no matter what difficulty we face. Remember, I said it before, giants are killjoys, right? They're misery monsters. They just want to destroy everything that is good within us. But with God on our side, we have, truly have nothing to worry. We need to remember that God is just simply putting his hand on our shoulder and saying, hey, I got this. I got this. You don't need to worry. I got this. I've been here before. I've slain bigger giants than what you're facing. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your truth that we have nothing to worry because you are the great giant slayer. You are the one who defeats the foes that stand before us. You are the one who brings joy and peace. Lord, I pray that our faith, I pray that my faith would be strong enough 
so that I cannot give in to fear and will not give in to fear. Lord, be glorified through me, especially in my struggles. What a scary prayer. But teach us to trust you and teach us to put our hope in you and not allow anyone or anything rob us of the joy that we have in you. So as we leave today, we do so in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, may your spirit empower us, strengthen us, and give us courage to share your truth, to advance your kingdom, and bring your hope to all that we encounter. And all God's people said, amen. Have a blessed day.